Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. This morning, uh, the, the talk or the presentation I want to give, it's a little weird because normally I'll just preach a message from the Word of God and I will, I will share some um, strong convictions from God's Word towards the end. But today I want to give something similar to a State of the Union address. <clears throat> Typically we would do this in a post-service meeting, but what often happens is between the end of the service and the start of the meeting, we lose like half of you um, to McDonald's or wherever else you go to lunch. And so we thought this is important enough stuff. We want to make sure that the majority of us are together to hear these things. I hope it won't be dry. I want to look back at some of the highlights of this last year um, and try to understand together the significance of those things and then look ahead at 2017 and at some of the things that we believe God is wanting to do, has convicted us to do, and are going to affect all of our lives together. So we're going to have a look back and a look ahead. But before I press on with that, I know that most of you are now aware of it, but this past week we said goodbye to one of our brothers. And uh, so many of you were able to join us for the services. I really love this picture of Johnny. I was flipping through all these photos a family graciously lend, uh, loaned me. And this picture is my favorite out of the stack because I think it captures Johnny's heart and his personality so well. And it reminds me of what he looked like when I first met him, that he had that energy, that vibrancy and uh, playfulness. And we're really honored to have some members of Johnny's family joining us, visiting our church for service this morning. If you happen to meet them after service, please do give them a warm welcome, say hello. And on Friday, I just mentioned how much I'm going to miss Johnny and how much I associate that black and yellow duffel bag that he lugged around every Sunday. And uh, the family was so gracious, and they, they gave me that duffel bag as a gift. And it's sitting in Johnny's chair, the chair usually next to me. I, I just put it on the chair next to me to remind me where he always sat. I'm only going to leave it there this Sunday and then I'm going to bring it to my office because I do want people to sit next to me. Um, but, boy, I'm going to miss just Johnny sitting next to me each Sunday. And I know many of you, uh, I, I mean, Perry, you, you drove Johnny from AFC for how many years? And we, so many of us, we got to know him. And uh, we're going to really, really miss him. But we are so grateful that he was a part of our lives. And so I just wanted to acknowledge this passing of a friend uh, before we pressed on with our presentation. <clears throat> so as we look back at the year, um, a lot of good things happened. God has been very faithful. And uh, I put out the call to our different ministry leaders to say, can you share with me some of the highlights of the year and some of the things you sense God is wanting to do in the years ahead? And not surprisingly, my wife, who leads our children's ministry, was the first to respond because she just turned over and just told me everything. And um, so we'll, we'll start with the children's ministry. 
Um, the seeds, so the name of our children's ministry is Seeds because we really do believe that in childhood the seeds of the gospel and an understanding of who Jesus really is is planted firmly in kids' hearts and that they themselves are then the seeds of the church's future. Some, some just by the numbers kind of stuff, um, just to review from last year, we had a, an all-time high of 114 kids attend on March or on May 8th. That's a, that's a lot of kids. I remember when Noah and Amanda were the only two children at Harvest not so long ago. And so that's, that's a really high attendance. 73 was our lowest seeds attendance. So that gives you an idea of just how quickly our children's ministry is growing. Um, we even count infants. And uh, our high infant attendance, I don't know if you call it attendance so much as they were dragged here by their parents. But uh, 16 allowed themselves to be carried here. And a low of six, and that happened on October 9th. By the way, October 9th, our house church was across the board our all-time low attendance for the year. And then average weekly seeds attendance is 99 on any given week. And on average, we have 11 infants who came to church with their parents. I want to take a moment to just acknowledge Jeannie and Sue and their uh, cabinet, their core team, of Mary, Jenny, and Annie, who have worked very, very hard to lead this children's church. <clears throat> and my, my wife is quick to remind me that the size of their little congregation is not so different from the size of our adult congregation now. And so uh, we do need to prioritize the support, empowerment, the resourcing of this ministry because our children are multiplying like crazy. I want to give you a sense of the, 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 the team that is making seeds happen every week. We have a volunteer pool of 61 total adult volunteers. That doesn't mean 61 people serve on any given Sunday or this room will be pretty empty, but that they draw from that large pool on a quarterly rotation. And on any given Sunday, it takes 21 volunteers to run our seeds ministry. And that number is going to go up over the years ahead because the, this, the picture is changing a little bit. The kids are getting older, so we're going to need more teachers. The number 21 includes about five or six teacher assistants from our youth group, and those youth group student volunteers make a huge difference in, in seeds week to week, especially want to acknowledge what a help they've been in leading worship on direct check-in Sundays. We had five new, new teachers added in 2016, well, we also had seven teachers step down for different reasons. So can anyone do the math? If we added five and took away seven, that's a deficit of two. And so as the ministry is growing, we lost net two teachers over the year. And so I, I, I do want to continue to encourage you, if God is giving you a heart for children, or even if he hasn't but you're not doing anything else and you are available, I would encourage you to think about Seeds Ministry as one of the ways that God may use you at this church. This year, for the first time, something interesting happened. The number of grade school children is now matched by the number of preschoolers and toddlers. It used to be that our our preschoolers and toddlers outnumber the grade school kids because we are a younger church with younger kids, but those kids have grown up now, so it's about 50-50, which means that we can't combine classes anymore. We've got to split the different grades into their own classes, which means we're going to need more rooms, more teachers, more assistants. 
I don't see any way around this unless we all just stop having children or freeze them in time and they don't grow up. We're just going to, seeds is going to be, you know, continue to grow and we've got to really make sure that things get held together. Now another, so I want to give you a sneak preview of a couple changes, some significant changes that are happening with our kids' ministry in the coming year. And the first is, Seeds is built on a conviction that the primary spiritual influencers of children are their parents. We are convinced beyond any argument that that's the truth, that parents are called to be the disciplers of their kids. But in order for that to happen, the parents themselves must be growing spiritually. And we feel like we're in a season where it's very important for us to make sure that we foster a a great deal of focus and and, and an environment in our adult Sunday services where adults can grow spiritually and focus on their own faith. And so we made a decision that starting the early part of next year, we're going to launch something called Children's Church. We love having the kids with us, but for a season at least, we're going to try this out. We want to have the kids in their own children's church and try to uh, redesign our adult service with some new things that will help our adults fully engage their attention and their energy on their own faith and spiritual growth. Okay? <clears throat> so that's one of the, the main reasons that we're doing this is we want to reshape our adult service for greater spiritual focus. <clears throat> Excuse me. But another benefit of that is that the kids are going to get to play an active role in putting together a worship service in an age-appropriate context. So they're going to learn about the different aspects of worship, like singing, public prayer, offering time, giving a testimony. Um, We may even have kids volunteer to be ushers and greeters and things like that. So they begin to learn how a church works, but in an age-appropriate setting. We're going to set up, and obviously we're not at our usual site, Hoffman Estates High School, um, but when we go back there, if you guys know that if you walk out the cafeteria and turn left, the gym is right there. That's where Children's Church is going to take place, and the Seeds team is already working hard to transform that area into a totally different look, and uh, they're going to set up the Children's Church registration area right outside the gym. Uh, We want to encourage parents, because we're going to have a, a a traffic jam over there if everybody's manually trying to sign in. So the, the team's been making a big push lately to make sure everybody uses their key tags. How many of you have received a key tag in the last couple weeks? Okay, so a key tag, you guys, when you raise your hand, let me, you put on deodorant, right? Let me see. All right, so be sure. That's, that's, that's kind of dating me, isn't it? <clears throat> the key tags allow you to just step up to a kiosk Scan the, it looks like a little, one of those little loyalty tags that you put on your keychain. And then the minute you do that, your kids are already registered and the stickers will automatically print. And it really speeds up the process. And we're going to set up two of those stations to make it easier. If you don't use the key tag, you're just going to wait in line. That's the bottom line. Um, so we want to encourage you to use the key tag and to also plan to arrive at church five to ten minutes early to allow for time to check in your kids and then join us for the very start of our adult worship service. <clears throat> Another major change that's going to happen is Sprouts, the youngest group in Seeds, is going to have a, a significant change. Sprouts is now, it used to be 18 months to two years old, and it was our very youngest toddler stage. 
it's going to be redefined now primarily as a nursery ministry for ages one to two. Okay? And in some ways, it's going to be pulled out of the formal seeds curriculum. It's not going to be a class so much as it's going to be a, a guided childcare time. And it's going to become more of a parent-run, parent-led program where the parents will be on rotation on a monthly basis. And each parent who's in charge of that group for any given month will have the option to teach curriculum if they want to and to do some crafts. But the truth is not every parent who... And if, you, if you've ever volunteered for that group, you know it's like going to war sometimes. <clears throat> Those kids are not easy to watch. And so some people choose not to teach curriculum but just interact with the kids, play with them, watch over them, love on them, and that is enough. But if you want to do curriculum and crafts, the SEED staff will give full support to that, but it will be a parent-led, parent-driven program from this time forward. Uh, as I said, monthly, monthly rotations, the curriculum will be optional. But here's another thing. It's going to be separate from children's church. So if you have children ages 1 and 2, they're going to be in the main SEEDS classroom hallway, and the registration will be separate. It's a hand sign-in and sign-out form on that end. So if you have kids in both children's church and this age group, you've got to allow 15 minutes because you're going to have to register your kids or, or divide and conquer. One parent takes the kids to kids' church. The other parent takes the kids to Sprouts. And that's a, a significant change happening in our kids' program, so we do want you to be aware of that. I want to turn our attention to these adult Sunday services that we have on a weekly basis. And our high attendance this past year was 183. That happened on March 27th. I believe that was Easter Sunday. And then our low adult attendance was on October 9th, the day of of house church. But on average week, we have 154 adults in attendance on any given Sunday. I want to really give a a shout-out to Pastor Jared and Andy Choi, who helped coordinate. They really provide a lot of needed leadership to coordinating these Sunday services. And they work with the leaders of a number of important teams. Uh, just to give you an example, one of the teams is a trailer team. And this morning, I got a call from James Park at 7 a.m. to tell me that the parking lot was clear and we don't need anyone to come and shovel. That was 7 a.m. and he lives in, like, by the city. And so I just want to give you a sense of the dedication of the folks on our team. Um, while we're still cozy in bed, they're out shoveling the truck out. And I just, I'm so grateful for the many teams who serve on, on Sundays to help make these services possible. The trailer team, the setup team, the AV team, the signage team, the praise team, the food team, and the welcoming team. And I really want to express our gratitude as a church for all that you do each Sunday. Now, once Children's Church gets underway in the early part of next year, um, one thing we want to do is each quarter, we're going to invite the kids back into service with us. But instead of having a regular service where we just sing a couple kids' songs, do those annoying motions and stuff like that, we're going to design those quarterly all-church services with the fact that we want to engage one another a little more intentionally. So we're going to do things that foster more direct interaction between children and adults, uh, including maybe things like having us do some of the children's crafts. Um, I don't know what else we'll do. We're going to experiment with different ideas just so that the kids and the parents don't stand next to each other looking front, but we engage each other. And the kids need to watch adults put their faith in action so they learn what it looks like to follow Jesus as they get older. 
So that's going to happen each quarter. And another big emphasis that Pastor Jared is going to lead us through is to incorporate testimony into our Sunday services much more. You know, we really believe that there's great power in story. For example, you notice that it's easier for me to hold your attention when I'm giving a sermon and telling a story than when I'm going through PowerPoints and rattling off numbers. I've lost like 50% of you already. I could see it in your faces. You're having flashbacks of being at school right now. But if I started telling a story, I'll have you back. There's power in story, and God writes the best stories, and he's been doing some really incredible things in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. If you have a powerful story to tell of God at work in your life, we want to ask you in the next year to be mindful. We want to tell the story of God at work. And so come and tell us, I have this incredible story. I want to tell the church so they're blessed and so they grow. And if we're talking to you and we say, man, that's an incredible story, we may invite you to tell that story to the whole church. Now, they say that public speaking is actually a greater fear than death, statistically, that more people are afraid of public speaking than dying. That's shocking to me. So public speaking is not everybody's cup of tea, but we're not asking you to make a speech so much as to tell your family a story of something incredible that God did. If standing in front of this group is really uncomfortable, we may just send our media team to your house and just video you in the privacy of your own home telling the story with 30 takes, and Joe will edit it, and he'll make you look like a movie star, and it'll be awesome. But we want to get the story of God at work told to everybody's hearing, because if we don't tell the story, we'll start to think that God isn't doing anything. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's doing a lot of great things at this church in your lives. So that's going to be a big part of next year. Our Sunday services, you'll hear a little less from the pulpit and a little more from people in your own congregation telling the story of what God's doing. Next, we'll turn our attention to our small groups, which we call community groups. Here's a remarkable number. You saw that our average weekly attendance is 154, but we have 168 adults actively involved in a community group at our church. The explanation is that some of our community groups have people going to small group that don't come to our church on Sundays, and that's totally cool. But we have 168. Um, There are 11 total small groups in our church. The average group size, just counting adults, is 15. And it's our joy to report that we have eight potential new community group leaders about to enter training in the coming year. And we installed three new community group leaders in the last year. So God is blessing the small group ministry, and it, it, we really needed him to do that because the, the, the ministry of small groups is growing at our church. Here's an interesting number. By most counts, the average participation, the percentage participation of congregation members in a small group across this country ranges from 35 to 60% of the church is in a small group. At Harvest, our participation rate is 109%. So that's pretty encouraging, don't you think? It looks like the way ballots are counted in some districts, you know, more votes than people. But the truth is, we're doing really well in terms of of that. But, But even so, there are people who come out regularly on Sundays who are not part of a small group family. And if that's you, I just want to tell you, we're not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm saying you're missing out on something really good. And so I want to encourage you in the next year, if you put off a small group, make this do you pull the trigger and at least go visit a community group near you. And I think you won't regret that decision at all.
Now, in the, in the year ahead, one thing we want to pay attention to is the optimal group size for a small group is about 8 to 12 adults. That gives enough people for a good, active um, sense of community and conversation, but it leaves enough room for new members to join. But our average group size is 15, and so our groups are getting a little bit large. And so one of the things that points us to is we really need to see God raise up new leaders so that we can birth new community groups in the coming year. He's already at work doing that, and we just want to tell you, if you love your community group and you just feel like you want to do a little bit more, let your leader know you're willing to explore spiritual leadership in that role, and they will be so happy to bring you to the next steps. Another thing that we're, we're sensing is God really does want to bring a season of spiritual renewal and refreshment to our whole church and, and we really believe he's going to do that largely through our community groups. That doesn't mean every group is in the same place, every group is equally healthy, that every group is full of joy, but God does want to deal with us at the level of small groups and bring refreshment and renewal through those groups. I, I want to ask you to really expect more and expect better from your groups. And if there's been pain and difficulty in your groups, don't skirt around it, but tackle it head on. Because life together in community is messy, but God is exceedingly faithful. And he does want us all to find our spiritual home in a smaller group at this church. Pastor Jared, his wife Yvonne, and Stan have been working together to make a very intentional investment in the spiritual growth of our, our community group leaders. And I think that's really reaping some fruit and I know that a lot of the community group leaders have appreciated that level of investment in their personal walk with Christ. Now, this past year, we had a congregational retreat. And the way we do it at our church is one year we have a whole church-wide retreat. We go somewhere and rally. And then the, the off year, all the community groups have their own smaller retreats. And they get to pick the venue and the program and all of that. This past year, uh, on June 24th to 26th at Trinity Christian College in Palos Heights, we had our retreat. Uh, My baby brother Steve was the speaker, and the theme was called out. And that was, um, let me just give you some numbers from the retreat. We had 120 adults, 83 kids. That's a record retreat attendance for our children's ministry. 23 kids ministry helpers. And this was exciting. Nine of our partner ministries sent representatives, and we held an outreach expo. And that was a really, really good time. And we had eight guest speakers and worship leaders come and serve our church from the platform. The theme of the retreat was called out based on 1 Peter 2.9, which reads, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's this idea that God worked in our lives calling us out of dark into light so that he would send us out to minister to the world around us. That he doesn't just work in our lives for us, but so that we might become his work in the lives of others. The Outreach Expo was really exciting. Those nine ministries we already have a, a partnership relationship with, and when they came out, they wanted to present what they're doing as well as recruit new help, and it was really, really a good time. You guys showed such an enthusiastic response to that. And in fact, one family even donated a car to one of those ministries right there on the spot. So it was a really, really fruitful time of partnering with these people. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. This year, we're going to have our CG retreats. And here's something I just want to say to each community group. Over the last couple of years, for a, for a number of the groups, it's felt a little bit like we last-minute scrambled to make something happen. And this year, here's what I want to ask. It's not even January yet, but I want to ask you to start early and work really hard on these retreats. I mean, take the CG retreat very seriously and expect great things from God and form a team from within your group to say, we're going to work very hard and start early to make this one of the most memorable, significant experiences we could have as a group. I really think that if we pour ourselves fully into these CG retreats, they will be life-changing. I also want to encourage each group, if at all possible, aim for three days and two nights. Don't plan your CG retreat around convenience, but call everyone to make an investment in the group and try to go three days and two nights, if at all possible. Can we try to push for that this year, everybody? Wake, wake up your neighbor. Just say it's going, to be, it's going to be over soon. We're halfway through, okay? I want you to wake up for this part, because core is a very, very important ministry at our church. CORE is our ministry to millennials. We're never exactly sure what to call this group, but really it's the millennials. And by millennials, I'm basically saying like starting from age 18 to... Some sociologists go all the way up to age 44. I just don't see it. I think about 35 is about the right cutoff for like true hardcore millennials. All right? And CORE is our ministry to millennials. Um, I was shocked to discover that Stan, who was the director of CORE, couldn't really remember how the name CORE came up. And because we presented in all caps, people thought it was some kind of, um, of acronym, like Church of Oriental Real Estate. I don't know what you guys thought it was, but <laughs> CORE is not an acronym. Here's what it means. Its name is derived from the fact that millennials are going through a period of incredible transition and change. Everything is in flux in a millennial's life, including where they might live a month from now. But we believe that having the unchanging Christ at the core of their lives will make all the difference in how their lives unfold. So in ministering to millennials in a time of flux and change and everything being transient, we want to see Christ firmly rooted at the core of their lives. And so that's a very important ministry. Another reason it's such an important ministry is that right now millennials are leaving the churches across America at the alarming rate of 1,000 a day. Millennials no longer believe the church is the primary expression of their faith life. And in the midst of all that changing sociology, we really believe that reaching millennials, empowering millennials, is going to become one of our church's highest priorities in the year ahead. Um, there are a, between like 12 to 15 pretty active people in this millennials ministry called CORE right now. They meet every week on Saturday night for a, a small group Bible study, and they have tons and tons of, of service and fellowship activities. Every time I see all the stuff that the folks at CORE are doing, I remember how much bandwidth I had before I, I turned old and got married, had children, and everything else took over my life. I, I remember having so much time and energy to be with others, and they're really leveraging that, that time in their lives so well right now. And there's so much fellowship happening, and I really love to see that. 
Um, Stan has told me that they really have a desire to see the kind of Acts chapter 2 community take shape among this group of people. That in core, they would find the true church, that spiritual home and family they've been yearning for. And so we want to be praying together with them that that would be their reality in the year ahead, that they would really dig deep with each other in community. Many churches are losing all of their millennials. We don't want to see that happen at Harvest. So we're going to make this a really strong priority in the next year. I want to turn our attention next to our youth group, which is called The Vine, if you weren't aware. You'll notice that all of our ministry names have this sort of plant or agricultural motif because we're Harvest Community Church. So we decided to go full-on farm and fleet with everything and, uh, and go rural agricultural. Our highest youth attendance happened on November 27th, um, 35, and then our lowest was again on October 9th, House Church 18. The average weekly youth group attendance is 25, and they're served by Pastor Frank, who is our youth pastor, along with a team of eight adult volunteer youth leaders. The highlight of this last year was the Tuba City Mission Trip, which we've been going on for over a decade now, ministering to the Navajo and Hopi people just outside of uh, about an hour north of Flagstaff, Arizona, in the middle of the desert. And the highlight of this year's trip was that the students really took leadership in so many aspects of the trip, and that really made this trip such a memorable highlight, both for the students and the people they were reaching in ministry. One of the big... um, the, the big things that Pastor Frank is going to focus on in 2017 is spiritual habits that strengthen our spiritual walk. And so he's, I think he's going to address a lot about spiritual disciplines and things that strengthen our walk, not just with God, but with one another. And they're going to have a December retreat, a winter retreat in Lake Geneva that's going to kick off this new theme. And so we want to be praying for our youth. It's one of the most vibrant areas of ministry in our church right now. God is doing great things among our youth. They look half asleep right now, but don't let that mislead you. God is at work. They're excited. Am I right? So lame, guys. So lame. Your generation just lost to our generation. I'm sorry. Uh, Next, I want to direct your attention to the, the life stage ministry right after that, which we call Greenhouse. And Greenhouse we refer to as a college age ministry. We used to call it our college ministry, but then somebody who was in the Navy came up to me and said, Pastor Dave, I went straight from high school to the Navy, but I'm like the same age as these guys, but I never went to college. Am I allowed to be in this ministry? And we're like, whoa, that was a blind spot. So we just call it college age to indicate that's right around 18 to 25 or whenever people graduate these days from university. Pastor Frank leads that ministry as well. And about half of that group went along with our youth group to Tuba City, and that was a big highlight for them as well, is collaborating together, taking leadership on this important trip was such a positive experience. In the year ahead, they want to focus on a more of a consistent summer experience, emphasizing service together as well as fellowship and Bible study. And we also do want to see a little more interaction between our Greenhouse College Age Ministry and our Ministry to Millennials because there is a very obvious overlap between those two ministry groups. Next is our Bloom Women's Ministry. Our Bloom Women's Ministry. Let me just read for you the beautiful vision statement of our women's ministry. It's that the heart of every woman would be nurtured, that she would come to see her story 
as God's story and then be empowered to love God, love herself, and love others out of their truest identity in Christ. The women's ministry hosts a bi-monthly event, usually a luncheon, where instead of some famous guest speaker, we invite one of our very own women at Harvest to stand before her sisters and tell her story of how God's been working in her life. And it's just been great to see an average of about 35 women come out and listen to another one of their sisters from church tell their story. And from what I'm hearing, these are really, really good events. Next, and they also offer weekly Bible studies, um, things like Entrusted with a Child's Heart or The Ultimate Journey. And those studies will continue in 2017. One, one big thing that they're aiming for next year is to form a women's council where there's a female representative. Sorry, single guys, but it's got to be a female representative from each community group will form a council so they will help lead the direction of the women's ministry and advocate for the CGs in the things that the women's ministry does. And so if you care about women's ministry and you're available and you're a woman, you may be tapped to play that role, a very important role, next year in support of that. A new ministry that's going to start next year is Stephen Ministry. Can you just raise your hand if you've ever heard of Stephen Ministry before? It's a national movement. And let me explain what Stephen Ministry is. It's really relevant to us today. People experience grief and loss in a number of different ways in life. They might experience that loss through the loss of a job, through a breakup, the death of a loved one, divorce, any other kind of transition, a medical trauma that leaves you with an amputation or some other disability. And so people who go through loss and go through grief, it takes more than a couple meetings with a pastor or a word of good advice. Grief is one of those things that must play itself out. It's got to be processed. And in order to process that, it's so important to have somebody who loves you, is committed to you patiently, to walk with you side by side, through the entire process. That's something that even though the pastors have a heart for that, there simply is not the bandwidth for us to walk on a daily or weekly basis with people who are going through things like that. And so Stephen Ministries arose out of the vision to support the pastoral team in walking with people through grief until the grief has run its course and they're ready to move forward in life. I'm so grateful that Pastor Frank is leading a small team of people, and they're going through some very, very rigorous training to be certified as Stephen ministers. And at the end of that, they will stand ready to walk with you if you experience any kind of traumatic loss or grief in your life. If you need to have someone sit with you or call you on a very frequent basis, these are the people who are being trained to do that with you. And we hope to launch that ministry, have these people certified and ready by September of 2017. And I'm really, really grateful that that ministry is going to launch. We're just about done. I'm going to give you some figures from our different ministry teams. We have 159 people serving on some sort of ministry team over the last year. And we gave all of you a hoodie to thank you. If you didn't get a hoodie, I am so sorry. Please let us know. We want to correct that error but we, th- we, we bought a ton of hoodies. I think most people got them. We have a total of 17 different ministry teams at our church. And this past year, we were blessed to install three new ministry team leaders. I want to highlight two ministries in particular you need to know about. One of the biggest issues of our times 
is trafficking, in particular sex trafficking, which is one of the most evil things happening in our world today. And I want to just shine a light on a ministry that's been running for a couple years now at our church, the, the new name Call Center Ministry. And some women in our church have been faithfully gathering to pray for women who are the victims of trafficking. And then they go from that prayer to man a call center where they take calls from women who have been trafficked and are desperately looking for a pathway to freedom. And these women are, are listening to these, these people and then helping them find a way out of this. And if you care, if you're enraged by the injustice of trafficking, this is one way we can, par- we can actually do something concrete to fight it. Along with the call center, we do have a partnership with Refuge for Women, and they provide ha- something like a halfway house kind of thing where it's a shelter where women who are emerging out of trafficking get to live in a place of safety, find healing, and get some training to re-enter society doing something other than what they were being made to do before. And that's a role where a lot of men can play a part in lending a hand on, in all different fronts to help make those houses run. And so if you care about this issue, we do have outlets at our church to do something concrete about it. Another ministry I just want to give a, a little uh, uh, thumbs up to, a, a big cheer, is our web team has done a great job this past year totally overhauling our website. I forgot to make the slide where I wanted to show the before and after picture of our old website yeah, and our new website. Yay. New website is much better. And this past year, that team also launched our Facebook Harvest Group. And we've already got 181 members signed up for that, that group. I'm not sure how the math works out. There's a lot of people on that group. It's a closed group, and you've got to kind of get invited into it. But once it's there, it's like our private place online to share photos, to communicate with each other, and we've already been using that very well for that purpose. So, web team, thank you so much for all your efforts this year. And for all the other teams, we do thank you for the huge difference you're making week after week. When you're munching on a donut after service, remember the food team. When you are sharing a prayer request and God is at work in your life, remember the intercessory prayer team. When you feel welcome to our church, remember the welcoming team and all the others who work so tirelessly. Let me give you a few quick 2016 highlights, and we'll get two more updates, and then I want to share something briefly. Hang on with me. We had 70 people attend a New to Harvest lunch this past year. Including those inducted this morning, we, we saw 10 new members join a church family. Nine children were dedicated. Three new deacons were installed. Two people were baptized, and yay, Ed, one new elder was installed. And so we're so grateful for the way God has been at work in our our church. I want to just touch briefly on giving in the past year. Um, In January, we'll have a fuller finance and budget meeting, but I just want to give you a couple highlights. Um, Through October, which is when we have the best reliable numbers in our books, uh, year-to-date giving is just over $606,000, or just shy of 607000 And our year-to-date spending for that same time period is six hundred, nearly 605000 So we're doing well. This is our 21st consecutive year as a church running in the black. I don't know too many ministries who can say that that's been their story, but I'm really grateful for the consistent generosity of the members of our church to fund the mission of the church. 21 years straight, 
where our giving has exceeded our spending, and I'm grateful for that. Our average weekly giving is about $14,315. And since we launched online electronic giving in April, about 40% of you have started giving online. Okay, 40%. There are a couple things we want to pay attention to in the year ahead. One is we do want to encourage more of you to partner with the Ministry of Harvest in consistent financial partnership. Right now, you know, most all of you are giving occasionally, but when we count the regular weekly or monthly givers who are tithing to the church, that amounts to just over a third of our church is giving consistently, which means two-thirds are giving either not at all or very sporadically. And I think that that's, that is actually something we do need to address in the year ahead. I'm not going to do it through guilt or through badgering, but I just want you to prayerfully think about your relationship to money and the way that you believe God is calling you to make your financial resources available to his work, especially here through this church. And just let the Lord guide you in that. And that's all I want to say about that. And also, in the years ahead, we want to shift the way that we think about budgeting. For 21 years, the way we've done budgeting is we don't talk much about giving, and you have all been very generous, and with what you just give, we try to steward that money wisely and allocate it the best way we can across all our ministries. And so we'll often say things like, you know what, that would be a great idea, but with our current giving, we can't afford that. And we've made a lot of wise stewardship choices over the years because of that. But in the years ahead, we want to make a shift to a different way of thinking about budgets. Each year, towards the end of the year, we want to rally the leaders to prayerfully ask God, what is it you are asking us to do in the coming year? What are some of the things you are saying to us are priority? And if God gives us a mandate, a strong conviction in our hearts, this is important to me, and so it's important to to us then if that carries a price tag, we will, we will start not, not with what money we have available, but with what God is calling us to do as a church, and then figure out what that's going to cost to fund that mission, to be obedient to the call of God. And if that includes a drop or an increase in the money that we need, we're going to let you all know and cast a challenge and a vision to fund the vision of the church and be obedient to God's calling. Does that make sense to you? So that rather than just having a passive approach to what's given and then try to use it wisely, we want to ask God what he wants us to do and then call all of us to fund that vision obediently. Many of you have been wondering what's going on with our building search. We've been without a home of our own for 21 years, and we have been actively searching for about a year and a half, and I feel a little bit like Goldilocks, a little bit like Joseph and Mary, nothing seems to be fitting. I, don't, I just don't get what it is, but we've been looking and we cannot find the ideal situation. And I'm starting to sense, I think many of us are starting to sense there's a message from God in that somewhere. Because I think if God wanted us in some place, it would have just opened it up like very quickly and said, there it is. And we've heard many churches have that story. We were looking very seriously at Twinbrook Elementary School Um, in Hoffman Estates, a really nice site, but at the very last moment, the district superintendent pulled it off the market. Man, I was really disappointed because it was literally the day of our viewing. We were excited to pursue this, and he pulled it off the market that day and got cold feet. We were looking at the Bright Hope building, the headquarters there across the street from our ministry center. It still remains on the market. They're expecting expecting an offer from a local school 
in January of next year, and we're going to just ride it out and see what happens. There's enough complexity with that deal, as well as the price is still too high, and so it's not the most attractive option for us, but we're still keeping our, our, our eyes on that and our ears open. Now, I know you guys don't like when I do this, but um, I'm going to tell you half of something. I get annoyed when people do that too, but I feel like i got to ask you for prayer, but we're not ready to talk about it yet because it may be nothing, and it could actually become somewhat problematic to open up to everybody right away. But we are exploring at the elder level a radical approach to acquiring a building. And when I say radical, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy, and we're at the very early stages of praying and talking about it, and it may go nowhere. But we, we really do ask you to be praying that whatever it is, God would take five dumb men and give us the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because we really need God's guidance on this. We all have strong feelings and analytical minds, but we need to be of one heart, one mind, in knowing if God is behind this. And if he is, we will then expand the circle of conversation and prayer to include our leaders, and eventually, very soon after that, all of you. But for now, what I'm asking is if you would just pray that if God wants this crazy idea to happen, he would make it very clear to all the elders and there would be unity. And if he doesn't want it, that he would just cause this thing to crash and burn early before we spend too much time and energy exploring it. That's all I can tell you for now, but I want to tell you more soon. And as soon as we're able, we will tell you more. And if it goes nowhere, it goes nowhere. I'm going to close out our time together. I have nine minutes left, and I want to share with you a few, or not a few, a couple big convictions that God's been laying on my heart for me personally and for our church moving into 2017. And the first conviction I want to share is in, in the following year, I want to do this in my own life. I feel very strongly that God is saying this to my heart, but I want to say it to each of you as well. Let 2017 be the year where you, you just decide you will seek God with all your heart. And I think God's been chasing me for a long time. He's been very faithful. But I think for a lot of us, we've been at this a long time. And the sense I'm getting is we're comfortable and we're stable. And some of us have really plateaued spiritually. We come to church, but some of our most powerful spiritual memories are in the rearview mirror We remember looking backwards a time when we felt really alive in Christ. Some of us, because of pain or disappointment or just flat-out neglect or whatever else, we've just drifted from God and we've stopped actively chasing after him. In fact, some of us are in a desert almost daring him to come find us. But I want to tell you that wherever you are, especially if you're far from God in a dry, barren place, that if you seek after God with all your heart, he will not run from you. He will run towards you. Listen to the encouraging words in Deuteronomy 4.29. But if from there, referring to that faraway place where you've drifted from God, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart, and with all your soul. If you find that 
your spiritual life is a very passive thing. That you haven't really tried very hard to seek after God in your life. I want to invite you to join me in a year where we will together really seek Him with intentionality and diligence. I love the words of James chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. It says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, but come near to God, and he will come near to you. I don't know what that means to each of you in your personal life. I know what it means to me right now. At the very least, I want to say, don't get it backwards and pursue the devil and resist God. Don't do that. That'll destroy your life. But resist the enemy who delights in your destruction. And come near to God, because as we do it, his great promise is that he will come near to you. Single guys, don't you wish it worked the same way with girls? If you like a girl and you buy her flowers, she goes to dinner with you and marries you. And wouldn't it be nice if it were that simple, but women are harder to get. God is not so coy. When you feel far from God and you approach him, he will not run from you, but he will run to you. And I think that's one of the most hopeful, life-giving things we can know about our God. And a second conviction that's really been heavy on my heart, and I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say it's just a heavy conviction. It's more like I feel like I'm being lifted by something, like something familiar and lost to me is seeping back into my bones. And that is to expect great things from God. I was sharing with our staff at a recent staff meeting that one of the things I'm delighting to to realize in my heart is I was reminiscing on the first 10 years of our church. I was completely nuts in the first 10 years. I just remember, like, we tried so many crazy things I had that youthful idealism. I I honestly believed, and our leaders along with me, we were in this mindset that nothing is impossible. Everything good we try for God will work. And so we tried everything. And I remember how daring, how ambitious we we thought out of the box, and we expected God to show up. And when when he didn't show up, we're like, oh, we got it wrong. Let's keep going. And we would reroute, but we had this this idea that God is mighty and nothing is impossible for him. And then in the second 10 years of our church, we got bigger, we got more stable, we got more predictable, we gained more to lose, and like happens with so many people and families and businesses, the more we prosper, the more frightened we became, I think the more tentative, the less daring, the less bold. And what I felt over the last 10 years was this crazy faith, this idea, this radical idea that our God is an incredible God and nothing is impossible for him and he's bigger than we could even ask or imagine. That was leaking out of my bones. And as I've been really praying that God would do something in our hearts for the next 20 years, this is the one thing I really genuinely feel is seeping back into my bones at a very deep level. Is I'm starting to wake up in my heart and feel like God is at it again. And that in the next 20 years, we're not called to play it safe. 
but to be a daring church for a big God. To expect that when we share the gospel with someone far from God, that person will turn their lives over to Jesus Christ. That when we go to faraway places, we will make an eternal difference in a village somewhere, in a little town somewhere. That when a marriage is on the brink of ending and we step in in the power of Jesus and cry out and advocate, that that marriage will be healed and that couple will stay together. That the sick will rise from their deathbeds. That miracles would happen again. That there's no obstacle in front of us as a church that is too big for God to handle. And somewhere in our own personal walk with Christ, that idea of a powerful God, the God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That that's the God we follow and that's the God we serve. That's the God we turn to to ask, what do you have for us to do? Many of us are stuck, and we have been for years, in what feels like an impossible situation that only feels more impossible with every passing day. But I'm going to tell you that God is mightier than all of that. I think this especially hit home for me this week because I remember when I first met Johnny, how many things he had going against him. I thought, okay, you're going to stay here with us for years and years. And we're going to walk with you through the slow, methodical, plodding pace of your life with all the limitations that you've been saddled with. How is this going to work? How will we endure it? And the amazing thing is God was bigger than anybody's doubt. And not only did Johnny become a part of this church, his limitations after a while became invisible and he became a part of our family. And it just reminds me that if you're in a situation where you think, "How? where is this going to go? How is it going to get any better? Where is the road ahead, the light at the end of this tunnel? There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. If this is the God we know, and this is the God who saved us, whatever you think is impossible right now for you personally or for us as a church, nothing is impossible for God. I think in part that's why I am so jazzed by this crazy radical idea I can't tell you about. Because it's the first time in decades that something in me woke up and said, this is too crazy, without God it's impossible. What am I even thinking bringing it up? And for the first time in 10 years, I feel genuinely to the core of my being frightened and excited at the same time because I want so badly to see God show up in ways that are miraculous. And maybe it won't be through this crazy idea, but I don't know if I want to keep going with a safe, small God. How about you? Do you want to believe? Can somebody be awake and just say amen to me? Come on. Listen. Do you want to keep plodding along with a small, safe God? Thank you. We've been at it for 21 years, and we have had an embarrassment of riches. 
This church has received more from God than we have a right to ask. And I believe God wants to do some radical things with this church now. We are exceedingly useful to him. We have more good people in this congregation than any pastor should have a right to ask for. I'm embarrassed by how many good people we have at this church. God is ready to do some great things with us and through us. We've got to join him in the belief that he can do anything he wants and nothing is impossible. Can I ask you to just bow with me in prayer? That slow, methodical look back at 2016 had a purpose. It's to remind us that God is always at work. But sometimes the work of God among us is small or safe because that's the God we see. There's nothing wrong with small But I don't think we should ever limit God and what he can do through us. I want to ask you to start not from us as a church, but from you personally where you sit in your own relationship with God. It's not enough to be a part of a good church. He wants to be in your life in a very powerful, active way. And if he's been at the edge of your life lately... Accept the invitation of God to seek Him with all your heart in the coming year. If you don't know practically what that means, ask any of the leaders at our church, I want to seek God with all my heart. What should I do? What does that mean? Ask any leader. We would delight to walk with you through that. But if you're far from God and you're dry in your heart, don't put up with that. Accept His invitation that in this year, you will seek after him with all your heart. What does all your heart look like when you do it? What does your best effort at anything look like when you give all that you have? Do that in your pursuit of God next year. You'll be amazed at how he will meet you if you do that. But don't fold your arms and wait for him to mug you. He won't. Seek him with all your heart and he will find you and you will find him. So I want to give you a minute to just sit in that and pray. And I'll give you one more word of challenge and invitation. Harvest is a church. I want to invite you to think about something together now. How big is our God? And I don't want to measure our faith by how crazy or expensive an idea is. That's silly. But more, I want to say that are we doing the things for God as a church that are big because they're just ridiculously impossible if God doesn't help us. 200 people can't do this for God without His help. Are we attempting things like that for Him? When we have these impossible situations, do we really believe God can break through? Or are we giving up on God? I want to call us as a church to remember that our God is huge, He's powerful, and nothing is impossible for Him. What's really limited is not God, but our imagination. He says He can do infinitely more than we could even imagine. Our wildest imagination is not enough 
to speak to the power of God. And I want to call us as a church in the coming year to be ready and willing to go with God wherever He leads us. And if it's scary, we will cling all the more tightly to Him. Isn't that the kind of church we want to be? So let's pray together in one voice now and ask God to give us a year where He becomes greater and our faith in Him grows and we attempt great things for a great God. Let's pray for that just for a minute together in one voice and I will, I will pray for us. God, we, we're getting so tired of lukewarm living. Really, God, what is the point of just knowing you a little bit? You are God of the universe, and to know you is a miracle in itself. There is no one greater than you, and we live in a broken world so greatly, desperately in need of you and your greatness. Wake us up out of our slumber become huge, great, powerful in our eyes. What we call impossible, you say is possible through your power. And so grow our faith together as a church in the coming year. Call us to things that will terrify us if you don't go before us. Send us into the midst of the most impossible situations and give us an unshakable faith that you are greater than the obstacles standing in front of us. You are greater than the brokenness that is destroying lives. You are greater even than disease, greater even than death. Nothing is impossible for you, God. And we want a faith like that. Make 2017 a year we will never forget. Come, Lord Jesus, set this church on fire. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. 
Thanks for listening.